The epistle lesson this morning comes from the second letter of Peter, the third chapter beginning at the eighth verse. But do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And the gospel lesson comes from the gospel according to Mark, the first chapter beginning at the first verse. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, see I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This morning I would like to focus on an aspect of God's nature which has been especially important to me in the past couple of years and I think is a central teaching in our readings for Advent. The second lesson, the second uh, letter of Peter can be a tough one. The whole letter is pretty much filled up with admonitions of how we should behave, how we could live, how we could do better. And then comes verse 13. The Lord is not slow about his promise as some think of slowness, but is patient with you not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And that word repentance is metanoia, change, to become. And then later in verse 15, Peter encourages us once again, count the patience of the Lord as salvation. I have been a pastor in churches and schools for about 30 years, and a few years ago it became clear to me that I needed to take some time off. I was beginning to get caught up more in the problems of the church than the life of faith. I was so anxious and busy trying to be good out in the world that I was hard to live with at home. My heart felt hard, and so I stopped. Our move to Richmond a few years back gave me the perfect opportunity to step away. I went cold turkey on church. I tried as hard as I could to take the word should out of my spiritual life. I went to church only when I wanted to. 
I didn't keep my daily devotions or pray or attend any of the religious gatherings I used to attend. Actually, I tried to pray at times, but I couldn't do it. I remembered some advice that I had once given as a university chaplain to a struggling graduate student. She was raised in the Mormon church and a person of deep faith, and she was really, really struggling. She was very smart. But no matter how keenly her mind tried to solve things, her gut would still struggle. And with tears in her eyes, she told me she couldn't pray. I told her to stop trying. And we were both a little shocked at that advice. I said to her that day, stop praying. Take a break. Why don't you let us do the praying for a while? And if you think God's presence in your life comes and goes based on your prayers, it is not so. If you take a break from God, I promise you, God will not take a break from you. I don't know where such boldness came from. Usually, I'm cautious with pastoral advice. Maybe it was because I was only 30 years old myself. But these words came back to me a few years ago when I was struggling. And I've tried to trust them. So much of our attention in Advent is focused on our waiting, our waiting for God, our waiting for peace, our waiting for the coming of Christ, as if we stand firm in one place and God comes and goes around us. But the texts for today, all of them call us to a much deeper message of Advent. God's waiting for us. God's endless patience. God's long-suffering. The central issue in today's scripture is not God's coming and going, but ours. In Isaiah 40, the people of Israel and Judah had been exiled in Babylon. They had hard hearts and stiff necks. They were stubborn They'd turned away from God. They were facing one disappointment after another. They were mad at God, and they were pretty sure God was mad at them. By the time they were coming out of exile following the destruction of Babylon, they thought for sure God didn't love them anymore, and they didn't even know where to begin. Isaiah's beautiful words in chapter 40 are meant to convince the people of Israel that God loves them still, that the patience of God is in fact their salvation. God instructs Isaiah, comfort, oh comfort my people, speak tenderly to Jerusalem, tell them I am here. Cry out to the people, get you up to a high mountain, lift up your voice with strength, lift it up. Do not fear, say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. God tells the prophet to use every method he can to convince the people. Speak tenderly, comfort them, 
If that doesn't work, speak loudly. Cry out. If that doesn't work, get you up to a high mountain. Lift up your voice. Lift it up and assure them. They may have gone away, but I am here. This is the message of Advent and Christmas. This is the meaning of Jesus. I am here. You may come. You may go. Your faith may be strong. Your faith may be weak. But I am here waiting for you. I am patient. Each and every one of the lessons for today tells us of people thinking they are waiting for God, but in fact, it is the opposite. God has been waiting for them and is ready once again to welcome them for renewal. This is what T.S. Eliot wrote about in the Four Quartets when he wrote about the still point in the turning world. God is the still point. We are the turning world. And this is the stillness and patience of God that Peter writes about and claims is our salvation. We know this. We know what it's like to have someone's patience be our salvation. If you have ever struggled with anything, if you've ever struggled with school or with work or with money or with love, if you've ever struggled with anger or depression or any kind of addiction, and you have been fortunate to have someone waiting patiently for you, then you know this kind of salvation. A teacher who never makes you feel dumb. A co-worker who secretly does your work for a little bit until you can catch up. A friend who never seems to complain even though you keep forgetting. A spouse who quietly, patiently waits through the messiness. Perhaps you read last week in the Richmond Times-Dispatch the story of a man who lost his dog in a fire. And I was so captured by his description of the dog. He said, I adopted this dog from the shelter because he reminded me of me. He had a history of mischief, and I did too. But I matured and got better. And then he said, so I was patient with him because I loved him and he reminded me of me. You know the people in your life who trust that you're coming. It just might take you a little bit longer than others. And you know how sometimes those are the people who have saved your life by waiting and trusting that you're on your way. These are the people who not only know the good that is in you, but they also know that it will come back. And therefore, you trust them with your life. 
I remember my first semester of college. I didn't do very well. And I was very nervous to tell my parents. I decided to preempt the grade report sent home. Those were the days when the grades got sent home first. And so I gave my parents a call. I got on the phone and my dad answered. I said, I have some bad news. I didn't do well my first semester, but I think I can do better. There was a pause on the phone, and then my dad said this. Are you happy? Are you having fun? I said, oh, yes, I am. (laughs) I'm happy, and I'm having fun. He said, I don't think you should worry. You will do better and better. Give yourself some time. I don't remember a single grade I got that semester. I can barely remember the courses I took, but I will always remember the patience of my father when I felt like a failure. And I have lived out of his words many times. Are you happy? Then I am confident you will do just fine. Give yourself some time. God said to Isaiah, get yourself to a high mountain. Lift up your voice and convince those people I am here. I am patient. I know they are on their way. Peter wrote to the early church, the Lord is not slow as some think of slowness. God is patient with you and wants none to perish, but all to be transformed. A brief note here about the gospel. When John the Baptist quotes Isaiah and cries to the people, prepare the way of the Lord, make God's path straight, I encourage you this Advent to think about these passages not as clearing the way for God's return because we know if God is God, God can go over mountains and through valleys and across crooked roads. But rather we should hear John's announcement about preparing the way for our return. Clear a path. Make it easier for one another to return to God, especially the strugglers and the stragglers. Make the road wider and gentler and faster. Perhaps John is telling us, stop putting so many stumbling blocks in front of people. Make religion less complicated, not more complicated. Because God is waiting. God is waiting patiently for everyone. And then in the words of Isaiah, we shall see the glory of the Lord altogether. These past two years in Richmond, I have experienced a widening 
path back to God, I find myself once again longing to grow nearer and follow Jesus. What is your Advent desire? What are you longing for in your life and faith? Perhaps we can make wide paths for each other. Maybe that is a wonderful definition of the church. We are wideners of the path to God. Let us pray. Loving God, thank you for the continual reminders that your presence with us does not come and go, but remains with us even in this turning world. And help us to see Jesus as the same still point so that we may trust him with our lives. Amen.